once I got set free, it put this like fire in me where I was like, if these things I've been dealing with for years, I didn't have to deal with, I was like, then why are other people dealing with this? So I started stepping into ministry with Jesus. I started praying for people. I would see them be delivered. I would see them be healed. And it was so amazing. It was such an exciting time with God. And it started out so, so pure. But without realizing it, it became tainted because I was still wounded from my childhood. So I let ministry become my identity. I let the things that I do for God define who I was. I was not doing from love, but I was doing for love. I remember God just sitting me down in my walk uh, with Him and taking me to this point where He was like, you're doing all these things for me, but you're forgetting about me. What's going on, everybody? God bless you. I am excited for you to hear, watch this new testimony. But I did want to let you know about some exciting news. We have partnered with multiple organizations, churches that are ready to help you through whatever you may be going through. Okay, now we've reached 50 million people all over the world, and we have seen time and time and time again in the comment sections the needs. And, uh, and we prayed about this. We asked the Lord to, to guide us and to provide resources. And uh, thankfully, the Lord has answered and we have those resources for you. And so if you are in need of help, if you are in need of a church, if you are in need of community, if you just want to talk to somebody about struggles that you're going through or questions that you have, there will be a link in the comment section down below pinned at the top that you can click and then it will take you to a form where you can fill out your basic information and then somebody in your local community will contact you within 48 hours. We're really, really excited about this, so please take advantage of it if you need to, okay? God bless you and enjoy the new testimony. Growing up, I grew up in a little bit of a dysfunctional household. I grew up um, with my mom who was at the time addicted to uh, drugs. She was addicted to meth. Um, my dad, he lived in California, so I didn't really know much of my dad until a little bit of a later time. But yeah, so growing up, I just remember seeing a lot of chaos in my house, uh, seeing my mom in um, a lot of abusive relationships. I grew up seeing my mom being um, choked out sometimes, uh, her hair pulled. Um, at this time, I didn't really understand that like she was addicted to drugs. So for me, the dysfunction in my life that I was seeing was uh, the dysfunction with men. I guess I didn't really realize that this life was not normal until I started going to school. And when I started going to school, I started to see, um, you know, parents picking up their kids and showing a lot of love to their kids, which um, because of the drugs, my mom didn't really have the ability to do that with me. Um, I got neglected a lot. Um, I never really hung out with her, played with her. Growing up, when I would see my mom, I would just see her um, asleep or in the room um, with somebody else. Uh, she had a lot of friends over all the time. And so, yeah, so when I started going to school, I started to see these kids and their moms like telling them, I have something for you when I go home. And I would just be, you know, waiting for my mom to pick me up. And sometimes I would be at school for like two hours, just wondering where she was at. So it was around this time that I started to notice like that my life was different. And also going um, and starting to hang out with my cousins, 
um, and seeing their mom interact with them. Their mom, who plays a big part of my testimony, she was actually a, a believer. I remember when I would go to her house, I would see like a clear difference. There was a mom and a dad in a household, and she was very attentive to her kids, constantly cooking them dinner. For me, when I got home, there was some times that we didn't even have food in the fridge. Mm. Um, and by we, I mean like my brother, uh, who was a baby at the time, and um, my sisters, if they would come and visit, um, they ended up going with their grandma. So it was just me and my brother with my mom. But yeah, I would go and I would see a household that looked like it had a lot of love in it. And I remember just being an observer. I remember seeing like my aunt tickling her girls and I was sitting on the bed and like, that's all I wanted. And I wanted her to play with me that way um, because I craved affection that I was realizing that I wasn't getting. And so these questions started forming in my heart, like, why am I not enough? Why doesn't my mom give me love? Why is my life different? And I started to, at a really young age, um, hate my life because of everything that was happening around us. Um, growing up also, we got uh, evicted a lot of times. We never really stayed in one place at one time. I must have went to like five different uh, elementary schools and stuff like that because um, we were constantly moving. And I remember um, even at times we would uh, have to live in hotels. We would stay there for a little bit or we'd stay at one of her friend's house and we didn't have food. So we would go to a hotel's continental breakfast and we would eat. And just um, things that a, a young girl shouldn't experience, you know, I didn't have like the opportunity to just worry about being a kid and playing with my friends and my cousins. Actually, at a young age, I was learning how to steal from stores, steal from Goodwill, steal clothes. I remember like I would have a big bag and I would go take it to the car and then dump it and come back for more. So those are the things that I started learning growing up, um, learning how to be really manipulative um, because in that life, you have to lie a lot. You know, a lot of people are asking questions, um, but my mom kind of helped me to um, keep our business, our business, you know. Eventually, I did end up with my dad in California for a little bit. Um, that was a really hard time uh, because I had to leave my little brother who I basically was raising. Uh, I would change his diapers. I would feed him. I was so close to him. Uh, but my dad kind of heard what was going on and he uh, told my mom that she needed to give me to him or else he was going to call CPS and get me and my little brother taken away. Mm. So um, I was the one that had to be given up. And I remember that even affecting me like, why doesn't my mom fight for me? And so, yeah, I ended up with my dad and I visited my dad. I loved my dad. You know, I knew him, but I wasn't really comfortable with him because I didn't spend the majority of my life with him at that time. So when I went, I remember feeling like my heart was being ripped out of my chest because I was leaving everybody that I loved. Even though my life was uh, chaotic, I loved my mom. I loved my brother. I loved my cousins. And I, uh, when I went with my dad, I just remember feeling so lonely because he doesn't have any other kids. I'm his only daughter. And um, he had to work and California is pretty expensive. And so I, I had to live with my grandpa and my grandma because uh, he couldn't afford at that time to support me just yet. I remember just feeling so alone and feeling like I have nobody and feeling like I had a curse over my life. I remember that's what I felt like, what is wrong with me? Like, why does it seem like everybody else has a good life, but my life sucks? 
And um, that's the earliest memory that I have on calling out to Jesus because that aunt that I told you about, she would talk to me about Jesus when I would go to her house. She would take me to church, and when I would go, I would feel good. But I didn't really know Jesus. I, I just knew sometimes you pray, pray before you eat or sleep or something like that. Didn't really know too much. But I remember like in California, I was just at this low point. I was probably in fifth grade. And I remember so clearly um, sitting in the bathroom, crying because I felt so much misery as, as a little girl, like wanting to die. Like I remember like trying, like thinking of ways that I could die and trying to um, even overdose on like Tylenol, trying to see like if that could take my misery away. Um, and I remember just crying and I was like, God, why did you give me this life? Like, why do you give everybody else a good life? But when it comes to me, it's like, you don't see me. It's like, you don't come and rescue me. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And I, I was mad. I remember being just mad and, and confused. How confused. old were you at that time? I was in fifth grade. So I think I was, or I don't 10, know, 10, 10 11-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So that's my earliest memory with God. Um, but yeah, so I continued in California. My mom, she um, ended up calling me while I was like two years into living with my dad, two or three years. And she called me and she told me that she was sober. And I was such a mama's girl. So I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going back. So I ended up going back to Tucson to be with my mom. But something that I wasn't expecting was that I had actually built a lot of resentment towards my mom unknowingly because um, she was the source of like all the misery in my life. That's what I thought. And so when I came back and um, had a lot of hope for us being together, my brother ended up in the CPS system, but I, the CPS didn't know that I was living with her yet. Um, but I remember my mom, though she stopped doing drugs, she still had really toxic uh, addictions with men. I would see these men in her life, this one man in particular who just was horrible, like knowing that it's, it's, there's spirits and there's things that are influencing him. So I know that he's not the, the enemy, but in this time, I did see it like that. I would see him um, put like a knife to my mom's neck, take her to the desert and all this like horrible stuff. And I remember just like my mom still choosing to be with him over spending time with me and I felt neglected again and as soon as I started feeling that familiar feeling of neglection and feeling like you're picking someone else over me I rebelled like in an instant and I just realized you know I'm like I have to be the boss of my own life I was like nobody is gonna fight for me so I'm just gonna fight for myself and I'm gonna do whatever I want to do and nobody's gonna tell me nothing because I don't have a responsible parent in my life. I'm like, so I could do whatever I want. I started partying at a really young age. It was like at 13, I started smoking cigarettes. Um, I started experimenting with weed. I started um, drinking. And I remember like whenever my mom would try to tell me something, I would just be like, you don't have the right. And I would just continue doing whatever I was doing. And eventually um, that ended up to CPS finding out that I was living with my mom and I ended up in a group home and I had to be separated from my mom and I just remember thinking that same thing again like this is my life I'm cursed it sucks I just remember like uh, being in the group home and just feeling so much despair like feeling so much hopelessness 
and feeling like this was going to be my life forever. Like I'm going to never, I'm not going to ever know what joy feels like. I'm not going to ever know what peace feels like. I'm just going to feel darkness no matter where I go because that's just what happens to me. That's all I seen. That's all I know. Uh, that's all I knew. I remember in that place, like just um, trying to sleep my nights away. I felt like um, one day when I'm older, like I'll be able to actually do things and I'll be able to get control of my life. So um, I was like, I'm just going to sleep. And so I would sleep and sleep and sleep. I would cry myself to sleep and just wait for it to be over. And yeah, I eventually ended up back with my mom, but um, still had a lot of rebellious mindsets and just continued in that partying lifestyle. But here and there, I would go to my aunts. And at this point of her um, life, she was like a really on fire like believer. Like she just like, all she did was talk about Jesus. And there was this one time, uh, this was the moment that the Holy Spirit really grabbed my heart. Um, because like I said, I would go to church and they were like, I would go to church and anytime that I would go to church, I would cry. I didn't understand why I would cry. And then every time they did like an altar call, I was getting saved every Sunday. Like I was like, that's me. And I would get prayer, but it didn't go as far as that. It was just like, get prayer, go home. Your life still sucks, whatever, you know? But yeah, so I would see my aunt and I had the desire for God, but um, I kind of thought God was only like a king on a throne. I didn't really know that he could be like a personal friend. And when she would talk about God, I remember like being curious of like, she talks like she knows him. Like I'm like, she talks like she knows God. Why? Like what is the difference between my relationship with God versus her relationship with God? And uh, so there was this one night I was just sitting and I was watching her talk about God. And I just went up to her and I was like, how do I have a relationship with God? Like how you have a relationship with God. And I remember so clearly her just saying, well, she said, you have a choice. She said, either you live for the world or you live for God, but you can't have both. Mm. And I remember when she said that it like clicked and it provoked something in me where I was like, I want to try God. Like, I want to see what this is about. I have tried everything. I have drank. I have, I tried to sell drugs. That was a flop. But I was like, nothing brings me like um, fulfillment. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. The church ended up having a 21 day fast going on at that time. And I was addicted to cigarettes. And I was like, okay. I was like, um, and I was about 14 at this time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to um, fast my cigarettes. I remember breaking my cigarettes and literally throwing them away and saying, okay, God, I'm going to try you. And so I remember the first three days were the hardest. If you have ever been addicted to nicotine, you know that like it is one of the hardest things to give up because you constantly think of it. But after three days, it stopped being harder. I remember going to church and feeling something that I had never felt before. I felt like Jesus was in the room. Like, I remember, like, every worship song, I felt like it was Him singing it to me. I felt like He was so close. And that was something I didn't experience before. I felt like I was starting to know that He's not just a king on a throne, but He's next to me. He knows me. I didn't know how I, I knew that He knew me, but I was like, He knows me, and He loves me, and I felt it. I felt it through every message. I felt it through every worship song. I felt it through hearing His love for other people. I started to understand who He was. I was falling in love with Him, 
Uh, for about a year, I was following God. Everything was really good. I stopped partying. I stopped drinking, doing all of that stuff. I disconnected from some friends. But something happened in my walk at the time. I came to this place after about a year where I stopped feeling his presence. I, I started freaking out. I was like, what is happening? I was like, he's leaving me. I thought that God abandoned me like everybody else in my life. I tried to hang on for a little bit, but I started to get resentful. I started to feel like this is too good to be true. This is my life. I gave up on following God and I went back into a partying lifestyle. It just always led to emptiness, always having to get drunk or get high again to fill a void um, because it never lasted. The good times were good only when you were doing it, but afterwards, everything that you're feeling just settles right back on you. Yeah. I just remember being like, the only time that I feel good is when I follow God. After um, like a year of being off of following God, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again. And so we get the ball rolling. I'm like starting to hear God again. I'm like, this is so cool. Everything's like starting to go good. And um, and you then, were going to the same church or this was a different? Um, I was going to the same church here and there, but I would say that I wasn't really going to a church consistently. Mm. And I would say that that has a big reason to do why I was very back and forth. Mm. I didn't have community and I didn't have people to help me understand what comes with this walk, right. the battle, the fight. Uh, the second time that I started pursuing God again, this guy came in my life. I had never been in a relationship. I've always wanted to, I always, always wanted to be in a relationship. I always wanted love. Like that was my dream. It was like any form of love, like I want it. So when this guy started giving me attention, I remember God just putting on my heart, like, don't do this. Like this is going to be the demise of what we have going on right now. Um, but I didn't listen, and this guy ended up breaking my heart. And I just remember being so angry with God. I was like, why can't I have nothing good in my life? I'm like, why do you hate me? And I remember um, telling God, I was looking in the mirror, and I remember saying, if you don't help me, I was like, well, then I give permission to the devil to help me. Wow. And immediately I felt so much fear come over me, and I, I, was, I took it back in a second. But that's how I felt. Like, I was like, God, you're not helping me. I'm like, so whatever else. Yeah, I went back into partying again for the last time. And this time, it was really interesting because it was so different. I remember I started partying and I started feeling convicted. And I did not know what that feeling was. I would drink and then I would cry. I would be drunk and I would just start telling my friends, I'm like, guys, we shouldn't be living this way. I'm like, there's so much more to life. And then uh, they hated to take me out. They were like, why do we bring her out? Because every time she goes out, she starts preaching to the point where people would be like, you're the girl that talks about Jesus um, when you're drunk. And I'm like, that's me. Because there was this battle where my spirit was longing for Jesus, but my soul, my my soul was broken and it was fractured and I didn't know how to fully uh, find Jesus. But I started getting mad because I'm like, I want to party and I can't party the same anymore. I'm like, I started to realize like that I was a bother to the people that I was partying with. And so that started to make me feel isolated. And I remember just telling God one night, I looked up and I was like, leave me alone. I was like, when I want to follow you, I will follow you. I was like, believe me alone. And he didn't. 
He didn't. And I'm so thankful that He didn't. God was so relenting in His pursuit over my life. I remember just having this strong desire and this deep, deep desire, knowing that like what I need is in Jesus and knowing that everything that I'm doing will never satisfy me. And I didn't want to give it up yet because I was like, I'm not, I, I always knew that like following Jesus meant giving up your way. I had that understanding because of what my aunt told me the very first time. And so I always took that with me. I knew that I couldn't live a double, a double uh, life. And so I was like, but I'm not ready to give up where I'm at in life right now. I have a lot of friends. I have a good time with them. I'm like, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give that up. And I knew that if I did give up drinking and all that stuff, it was going to remove the things that connect me with my friends. But at the same time, I just needed Jesus. I just remember I started coming to this place of like really, like a really, really low, like rock bottom. Um, I dropped out of high school and all I was doing was uh, partying and drinking, like probably like four days out of the week. I remember my relationships with my family was destroyed because I didn't care to spend time with them. I was doing my own thing. I lived a very selfish life. I didn't care who it affected. I remember my little brother crying to me because, you know, of the things that I was doing. You could, If you looked at me, you could clearly see that I was going down the wrong path. I knew it, too. And I felt like my biggest fear was to end up like my mom. And when people would say that, I, I would hate it. And they would say, like, you're going down the path that your mom was going. I would get so mad. But I was. I was going down a path of destruction. And I just remember just um, being in such misery, like literally, and not knowing how to numb the pain. And there was this point where I just started to get sick of the lifestyle that I was living. And I started to miss Jesus again. I told God, I was like, I want to follow you, but I don't have the strength. I don't know how to get back to that place. And so I need your help. And God came and he answered quickly. Within a month, I lost all my friends, all my friends that I had been friends with from high school. I just remember God literally stripping me of everything. And I was in this place where it was, it was a battle because I was like, I'm lonely. I was like, God, I was like, I want to follow you, but I'm lonely. I was like, can you at least send me like a Christian boyfriend or something? And I remember God saying, until I'm enough for you, nothing else will ever be. And so then, yeah, I remember just going on this journey of like uh, being with God all by myself for the first time. God started to reveal himself to me in a way that I never knew before. I started to go around like these communities of people where they started to show me different aspects of, of Jesus that I've never met. One of them being like the spiritual side of things, you know. Uh, there's this girl who she starts praying over me and at this time I had a lot of hurt with my mom still. Um, I would tell my mom horrible things. I would tell her a penny is worth more than you. I wanted to hurt her with my words. I wanted to make her feel how she made me feel all my life. And I remember this woman just saying, um, she's like, see, your tongue is like a whip. And she's like, and you just, and then it's like, you grab your mouth and you just like, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I say? And that was crazy to me because that's exactly what would happen. And she's like, the enemy has perverted the purpose of your tongue. I remember me being like, oh my gosh, God sees me. God knows me. And it opened this whole realm for me to understand, I guess, the spiritual things of God. So I started to search up um, like moves of God, things like that. And I ended up um, learning about uh, 
deliverance. I ended up learning about how the enemy affects our lives. And that I never realized before. Um, because I always knew that there was like a devil, but I thought that, um, I didn't realize how much of an effect he had over my life because his purpose is to still kill and destroy. And I was blaming God and I was blaming my mom for the things that were happening to me. I didn't realize I had an enemy coming against me, but God started to show me that, um, I do. And when I started to learn that God started to open these doors for me to talk to these people and meet these people who um, helped me to receive deliverance. That was the changing factor of my walk with God where I was like, these things, you're telling me that these things that I've been struggling with, I didn't have to struggle with. And I got delivered. I got set free from a lot of things. Um, in my younger years, I got abused uh, sexually. And so that opened the door to a lot of perverted thoughts, mindsets, dreams that I had no control of that made me feel so dirty, so disgusting. That's how I felt. That's how it made me feel like so much shame. I had a lot of rejection. I always felt like an orphan um, because I was physically an orphan. I always felt like I was um, an outsider looking in. I never felt like I belonged in a place and I felt like nobody loved me. Once I got set free, it put this like fire in me where I was like, if these things I've been dealing with for years, I didn't have to deal with. I was like, then why are other people dealing with this? So I started stepping into ministry with Jesus. I started praying for people and I would see them be delivered. I would see them be healed. And it was so amazing. It was such an exciting time with God. And it started out so, so pure. But without realizing it, it became tainted because I was still wounded from my childhood. And so I let ministry become my identity. Mm. I let the things that I do for God define who I was. I was not doing from love, but I was doing for love. I remember uh, God just sitting me down in my walk uh, with Him and taking me to this point where He was like, you're doing all these things for me, but you're forgetting about me. Mm. And at this time, uh, though I experienced Jesus, I wouldn't say I fully knew Him yet. I was experiencing Him. He was changing my life, changing my desires. Like I, My desires were completely different. I stopped um, wanting to listen to worldly music. I stopped wanting to cuss. I started wanting to love people. I started wanting to be kind and gracious. All these things, selfless, these things that were never at the forefront of my mind before began to be the desires that were leading me. But there was still these parts of me that had to be dealt with. When I went into ministry, I went into ministry not fully healed yet. And not saying that you can't, but this was the danger for me, was that I let people people's words validate me. That's what I started pursuing. So anytime that I would start reading or praying, it wasn't to spend time with Jesus, it was to pour out to other people. I'm like, I need to pray so that I can have the power of God to pray for somebody else. Mm. And I remember God just taking me to this point in my walk where He's like, and honestly, my devotion in this time wasn't very good, but I remember God taking me to this point in my walk where He's like, I want um, you to start reading. And I had this mindset for of God, like, if I don't do for Him, then um, He's not going to love me or He's going to be disappointed in me. I uh, had a very performance-driven uh, devotion to God. 
And I remember when I uh, started to try to read, I would open my word and I would just honestly, I would be bored or I would be totally uninspired or I wouldn't get it. And I remember one day I was just telling God, I'm like, I'm like, I don't get this. And I'm like, you must be so mad at me. And I, I felt that way. But uh, I just remember God saying so clearly, he's like, I don't ask you to read so that you could, um, so that I could love you more. I asked you to read so that you could understand my love for you. And that started this new journey, like with God that I had never um, really realized before, which was learning uh, the heart of God. And I really believe that these are the things that helped me to remain in my uh, walk with God till this day. These are the things that grounded me and rooted me. God started to show His heart for me. I actually started to ask questions, like questions that I hadn't asked before. Because when He started to show me uh, His love, I wanted to know, I guess, how deep it went. And I remember asking, why would you continue to pursue me after I pushed you away so many times? Um, after I said no, like, how did you still come after me? And I remember God just telling me that He's like, I know why you are the way you are and why you made the decisions you made. And I remember Him just telling me, I didn't come for the drunks list. I came for the little girl who believed the lie that she wasn't enough. And there was these little moments that God would have with me where He would just reveal just these aspects of His heart that blew me away because the way I love God today is because of the way that He's loved me. And the way I love other people is out of an overflow of His love for me. And I didn't realize how deep and how unconditional and how great it is. And His love is healing. And the reason why I could talk today about my testimony without tears is because God has fully restored me in His love. Because I realized that if Jesus loves you, that's all you need. Jesus' validation is enough. And so when I started going through this journey with God for about a year, of just Him taking these mindsets that I would have. I just dealt with so much worthlessness. Um, I dealt with so much uh, feelings. Like the major thing was like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I can't do this. Um, there were so many moments in my walk with God where I struggled because I felt Him putting these impressions on my heart for things to do. But I felt like I am a high school dropout. I cannot even speak. I'm like, you know, all my life I felt dumb, but God just speaking these things like, I use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I didn't understand what that meant. And then hearing like God for a season, just say like, you were born for such a time as this. I was like, what does that mean? And I remember when God started to show me, I was like, you believe in me? I'm like, I don't even believe in me. Nobody's believed in me. God loved me when I was unlovable. And He gave me a chance when nobody else gave, a ch gave me a chance. And I remember that that's what made me fall in love with Jesus because He's so kind. He started to teach me His voice. I remember He would have me do these little exercises with Him where He would be like, pick up that piece of trash on the floor or push the grocery cart back all the way to the thing. And I would like be like, why do I have the impression to do this? I didn't understand, but I would do it. And I didn't realize, but He was teaching me how to obey Him, teaching me how to hear His voice. Yeah, and it was an amazing journey. And God, in this time, um, just continued to transform me and taught me how to um, love my mom, 
that was a relationship that was really broken and uh, messed up. But in that time where God was showing me his love for me, he actually even showed me his love for my mom. I remember that he showed me a vision of my mom as a little girl. And I seen my mom uh, in the vision getting like abused, getting neglected. And God just telling me she couldn't give me the love that she never received. And that hurt people hurt people. I never heard that before. I never heard that before. But when he said it, it made sense. And I realized my mom hasn't known love who's Jesus. So how could I expect her to give me the love that she's never received? And so I had this mindset where I was like, God, I want to show her the love that you've shown me. And it started this relationship of just mending a lot of apologies, a lot of me having to come and tell my mom, like, I love you and you're worthy and all these things that God was telling me. And it's still a working progress, but I will tell you that we are not where we're at and we are like unrecognizable in our relationship. And yeah, God just continued to bring so much order into my life where there was disorder. And that's what Jesus does, I realized, is there's so much chaos, but Jesus is peace, Jesus is love, Jesus is order. And when He came in my life, everything started to get restored that was broken, even how I viewed myself. Because I had to realize uh, later on was that everything I was doing, every decision that I made in the life of like partying and all that stuff was always to um, feel validated. And I got a sense of identity from those things. But when I realized that Jesus is enough, it removes everything else. You don't need anything else except for Him. Nothing else satisfies except for Him. Celeste, who is Jesus to you? That question is um, is hard because how do you narrow down one thing to a man who is everything? When I'm in distress, he's my comforter. When I am filled with anxiety, he's my peace. When I need help with an outfit, he's my friend. He is um, everything to me. And he is the man who believed in me when nobody else did. And I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. And that's something I didn't know that I could ever be. But I'm in love with him. So he's everything to me. Amen. Celeste, what's your relationship with, uh, with your father now today? Do you have any type of relationship with him? Right now, um, I do talk to my dad. He doesn't believe in God, so right now with my life, he um, he's kind of confused with what's going on, but he's happy that I'm going down a, a better path, and I'm just believing that God is going to save my family, and what He did in my life, He'll do in those around me. Amen. How about with your, with your mom? Obviously, you spoke about the love that God uh, revealed to you uh, that you should have towards her, you know, and... Uh, the things that she even needed in her uh, youth. But what is your relationship like with her today? Today, I live with my mom <laughs> and um, she's sober. She is doing so good. She's living a life that I never thought possible. And like I said, we're, we're working on our relationship. It's always a working progress, but we're not where we're at. There's so much to be said about God's goodness in our relationship. Amen. Celeste, you are 21 years old, and you've been walking with Jesus now for three, three and a half years, faithfully. Could you give a word of encouragement to, to those who are watching, to the young people watching? You know, we're seeing a lot of things that are coming against the youth in today's time, and, and it's a blessing to see you uh, 
uh, walk with God, walk with Jesus. Could you give a, a word of encouragement to those who are watching, who maybe are, are around your age group? Yeah. For people my age uh, trying to walk this walk, I know that it is hard. But what I would say is that this is the most fulfilling thing that you could ever pursue. I know what it's like to look for all the right things in all the wrong places, but Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And in Him, there's peace. In Him, there's joy. He's the love that you've been looking for. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And don't let people despise your youth because what God can do in you is so much greater than what people could ever know if you give Him your yes. And that's all He's looking for. He's looking for a life laid down, and He's looking for a yes. And that's all He needs. Amen. Uh, Celeste, you experienced a tough childhood with uh, parents were, that weren't really present in your life. For those that are experiencing that same thing, that maybe their parents are not uh, present in their life for whatever reason, um, whether it's drugs or work or whatever the case may be, could you just give a word to encouragement to those who maybe are in that place and uh, are feeling discouraged? I would say, um, I know it's hard, but Jesus, um, He's the greatest Father, the greatest Comforter. He can make something out of your story that you never thought possible if you let Him show you what He could do with the broken life. God is the God of restoration. And in Jesus, there's hope. And I know that in that place, it's very easy to feel like there's no hope and you can't see your way out. But if you could just see God's hand reaching, I would just say grab it because He'll pull you out and make something beautiful where it's um, a big mess. Amen. Celeste, do you have any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? I think one thing that I would love to just say um, is that Though Jesus did all these things for me, though He healed me from my wounds, He delivered me from demons, uh, He gave me joy and peace. I don't pursue Jesus because of the things that He gives me. I pursue Jesus because of who He is. Um, He's worthy. He's worthy to abandon everything before Him. Though He slay me, yet will I praise Him. I stand and I remain in this walk with Jesus, not because of what He's done, but because of who He is. And that's what's anchored me this time around. That's what's made me continue to follow Jesus in the midst of trials because this walk sometimes does get hard. And in this world, bones will break, um, but we have victory in God. And God is just looking for us to put our eyes on Him and to remain in Christ and um, know that if you are looking for your purpose, um, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so if you want to know who you are, you got to know who He is. That's all I say. Amen. Lastly, Celeste, could you just pray for those who are connecting with your testimony, um, who are ready to receive Jesus into their life? Could you just pray for them? Yeah. So, Jesus, I just come before you right now, God, and I just thank you, Lord, for everybody who's watching, God who is desiring you, God, who has a broken life, Jesus, and is looking for you to be the restorer and the redeemer, God. That is who you are and that is what you do, God. I ask that you meet them where they're at, Lord Jesus, that you show them that there is no depth too deep, God, or no mountain too high, God, that you will not save them from, that you will not rescue them from, Lord. I just pray, Father, that you come into their life, God, and where there is chaos, that you would bring peace, God. Where there is anxiety, God, that you would bring rest, Jesus. I just pray, Father, 
Father, for their salvation. I pray for their purpose and for their destiny, that they would walk in who they are meant to be. And I thank you, Lord, that they were born for such a time as this. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen.